hindsight is 2020. Hindsight is 2020. The word retrospect is an interesting word. Its definition is very clear and straightforward. Definition of the word retrospect is a survey of a past course of events or a period of time. I've learned that it's really hard to notice the activity of God's hand in your life in real time. It's much easier to see it in retrospect when you look back. Again, hindsight is 2020. And before we go into the depth of the message, I want to give this church, particularly its leaders who helped made it happen, a year in retrospect. Let me start with what everyone has been inundated with this year, the pandemic. And everyone has been forced to respond one way or the other. If you want to go into a store nowadays, you have to respond by putting on a mask. If you turn on the news media of any kind, of any political persuasion, you will be inundated with information about COVID-19 and the worldwide pandemic. Every person has had to respond, and every church has had to respond. Every business has had to respond. And I want to tell you what our response was to the pandemic this year. We never stopped ministry. We never stopped ministry. At times, we had to minister in the parking lot and on the radio, blasting our signal to the cars that were listening. Times, we had to minister online. Times, we had to minister in person. But one way or the other, every single week, the Word of God continued to get out. And I want to tell you, I hated these Sundays. Let me tell you, Lord Jesus, I hated these Sundays. I know our band hated these Sundays. Derek, did you hate those Sundays setting up and getting here at four in the morning? Nettie, did you hate those Sundays coming in here on all the technicians and everybody that came and got here? Several like, man, I look good on that screen. Lord Jesus. I evermore hated these Sundays. But we never stopped. Now, a lot of churches made the decision to stop, stop gathering, go only online. The Holy Spirit spoke to me, told me not to do that. A lot of y'all got mad at me, and I didn't see you for three months. You got over it, came back. I'm glad to see you. But... If I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't change anything. The Word of God still says for the faithful people that are believers to gather together, and we did not disobey the Word out of fear. We did not disobey the Word because the government told us to. We did not disobey the Word because the media told us to. We stood on the Word, and we continued. And then I was thinking about this, and my God, listen, I was terrified this year. We, in January, we called all of the vendors and all of the contractors, all of the people to sell us sound and video stuff and all this kind of stuff, and we made all of these plans to remodel this sanctuary. We put it all in motion. We put deposits down. We put a schedule out, and, and we pulled the trigger on remodeling this facility, and uh, by March, it was too late to stop, you know? It was too late to stop. And so we, we banded together, and, and a lot of you came and you did this with us, and you helped us, and you got in in the middle of a pandemic, and you worked with us, and you labored with us, and you helped us make this happen. And by God's grace, we didn't bounce one check to one contractor or one vendor. We were able to complete everything we said. $450,000 remodel this year in 20... Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. You, you, don't, you don't hear... You, you think we you, just rich money growing on trees. $450,000 remodel paid for cash in this crazy year? Made it happen. 
Now, this one's crazy. This stat's crazy. This stat's crazy. C.W. Reach. I want you to think about this. C.W. Reach. Pastor Jeff gave me this last night. I couldn't hardly believe it. I thought it was a misprint. C.W. Reach gave, listen to this. C.W. Reach gave 454,737 pounds of food away. You're patty caking because you've had plenty of food at your house during the pandemic. But when HEB started telling people they could only buy one loaf of bread and only so much meat and only so much toilet paper and paper towels, and this church basically became a grocery store to the hurting people in this community. Look, look, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about 457,000 pounds of food total as a ministry. I mean, we do have, we feed people all the time. I'm talking about just through the food pantry, just through the food pantry, almost half a million pounds of food in a year where our community needed it the most. Listen to this stat. 10,868 individuals came through and were served at the food pantry. Now, I don't know what the total amount of numbers of people that we've preached to this year, but I, I would, I would, you know, in, in person, I would, I would gauge to, you know, wager that it's not 10,800 and some odd people. So that means that everybody that we got to preach to in person, we fed spiritually, however many thousand that is over the year. And then 10,800 people, we fed them naturally. So you got two hands working. You got a spiritual feeding system. And you got a natural feeding system that literally fed the masses in this community. That's something to give God praise and thanks for. All right. Now, nobody remembers this because it was five years ago in February. Okay. Five years ago. Well, this last February, seems like five years ago. We partnered with Habitat for Humanity and we built a home for a family that was in need. And many of you that are in here, you, you, you can't believe it, but you were there back in February uh, building this home for a family in need and you made it happen. And we blessed that family with our labor and with our love. It's a beautiful thing. And then I love this. I could not believe it when I looked this up. This year, uh, during the pandemic, we we had some families that are in covenant here and um, faithful, and they lost jobs, couldn't pay rent. So we did rent relief this year for six families. Six months of rent relief for a total of six families. Listen, listen. That's altogether 36 months of rent paid. Three years worth of rent paid by this church this year. That's unbelievable. Unbelievable. And of course, we, you know, we didn't know if we were going to be able to do it, but the Lord gave us favor. We, we gave away a vehicle this year. Uh, we had, we had blood donations this year, both in the beginning of the year and at the end. Uh, most of our friends and contemporaries in ministry, even when they did open their doors and started having church again, they, they had completely shut down their kids' ministry. And uh, we just felt like that was a mistake, and we continued to keep ours open. And our kids' ministry did not decrease. It increased this year. More new children join Kingdom Kids this year than last year in a pandemic year. Crazy! And we, um, 
We blessed our, our faith community, the faith community in this area of San Antonio with the conference return revival. Anybody remember that? That seems like it was a year ago. And uh, every guest that I invited, you know, in one way or the other said to me, you either got the most faith of any man I've ever seen or you're the craziest man I've ever seen for trying to throw a revival in a conference in the middle of a pandemic when everyone canceled their conferences. But we did it and it was a massive success. It was amazing. And... Um, more people watched Return Revival uh, all three nights. More people watched online than watched our, our services the first four months of the year online. Unbelievable uh, audience that God graced us to reach. And then I have here in my notes, we stood against fear. We stood against fear. And... Um, I have, I have been um, ostracized and talked about and even left by some of our long-term members for my stance this year um, against fear. But um, I, I just, I want to say, I hope the church's stance this year lives as a model for you to follow in your everyday life that when the enemy comes in like a flood and threatens you on every side tells you he's going to take everything away from you and you have to do it and if you if you if you don't bow to this you're going to die and your families are going to die and your mom and your daddy's going to die and your grandparents are going to die and die 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 when the enemy says death you stand up and speak life Find out what the Word of God says about it. And if the Word of God tells you you can stand, you can stand. If the Word of God tells you to keep coming to church, you can keep coming to church. If the Word of God tells you to be strong, even when people are talking about you and leaving you, you can be strong. And at the end of it, you'll be shouting and singing the praises of the God that brought you through it with his hand. Give God praise for that. Give God praise for that. Some other notes. Uh, some one of our highest years on record for baby dedications and baptisms. Uh, number one, y'all are having babies. Good. Having babies is a good thing. Keep having them. We'll grow. And uh, and then baptisms. And uh, you wouldn't think a whole lot of people would want to get water baptized in a pandemic, but they did. And uh, beautiful thing. And then uh, back in February, again, five years ago, we, we had our largest men's retreat that we have ever had uh, in Kerrville. Who was at the men's retreat? Raise your hand, men. Who was at the men's retreat, right? Who was at the men's retreat? Didn't that seem like five years ago? Uh, a lot of people that were there aren't with us anymore. I mean, they're alive. They're just not with us anymore. And... Uh, I'm telling you, I made a lot of people mad. I got so many messages and so many letters and so many things from so many people that thought that continuing to come in here and worship God was the stupidest thing in the world to do and that they, uh, they felt it was poor leadership and reckless. Yeah, that was a good one that they, that they called me. But to date, no one that's a member of our church has died of COVID-19 or had any serious complications. got the virus myself back in July, and I told Katie, I said, if I die from this, have church the Sunday after I die. Tell everybody to come in that this is the house of God. But do you know what? The Spirit of the Lord came on me when that virus came on me, and the Spirit of the Lord held me strong and held me together. I didn't have one bad day. 
I plowed through that thing. And it wasn't because of my strength. It was but the strength of the hand of the Lord that was over my life, over my family. Everybody in my house got it. You know, we've had, we've had allergies worse than that thing. I ain't, making, I ain't making fun of anybody that's had problems with it, uh, but I ain't scared of you leaving. Everybody else almost has, so I'm going to testify and tell of the goodness of God for, for us. And that's kind of how you have to live your life, you know? You have to live your life. I hope you're, I hope you're mad enough to listen to what I'm saying real close. You kind of have to live your life in a way where you know what your purpose is and you know what your destination is and you keep going forward toward it no matter what comes on you. Life is too short to press pause and stop living and hide in your house for months. I'm going to say that again. Life is too short to press pause and stop living and hide in your house for months. Because when you come out of hiding and get in your car, you could easily get killed in a head-on collision. You're going to die one day. You're going to die of something. You better live until you die. If there's one message I want you to take away from what we did during this pandemic, is you better make the decision to live until. The thing that frustrated me the most about all this mess this year is people, people walking around, you know, like they don't realize they are going to die. You are going to die of something. Better live. 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 Until then. Our young men. Bishop took our young men on a retreat. So we had a regular men's retreat in February. He took our young men this past summer. And uh, then this is one of my favorite things we did. We, uh, I don't know if you remember, because it seems like, again, years ago, the, the schools refused to let our kids go in and have their graduations. You remember that? So we got mad and said, we'll have one here. So we, we got all of our kids that were graduates, and we threw them a huge party, fed them up real good, honored them, blessed them, made them feel like a million dollars, because they are. They're incredible. And uh, that was really special to me. I was really happy that we were able to do that. And then uh, we launched a brand new ministry this year towards our college and career. If you, uh, if you are that age or you have children or family members that age, I highly encourage you to get them involved. It is a blast, but it's preparation for so much of what they're going to face in life. As you see, toilet paper sword fighting, that's amazing. That's going to prepare you for what you're going to face in life. And a lot more than that that they do, and it's, it's absolutely phenomenal. I want you to give God the best praise you can. For everything that his hand Now, I don't know what his hand got you through. I just, I just showed you a few of the things that his hand got us through, but I don't know what his hand did for you, but if he did something, oh, yes, I said if he did something, you ought to praise him. You ought to praise him. You times you didn't die, you ought to praise him. For all the funerals you didn't go to, you ought to praise him. For all the blessings that came out of nowhere, you ought to praise him. For holding you together in the midst of uncertain times, you ought to
You can be seated if you can. Exodus chapter 2, verse 1, And a man of the house of Levi went and took as a wife, a daughter of the tribe of Levi, and the woman conceived and bore a son. And it was when she saw, it was when she saw, when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him. What made her hide him? When she saw how beautiful he was. She saw he was a beautiful child, she hid him for three months. Verse 3, when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him daubed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. And then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. And then his sister piped up and said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. And maiden went and called the child's mother. (laughs) Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me and I will give you wages. (laughs) So the woman took the child and nursed him. And the child grew. She brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. As I mentioned earlier, it's difficult to notice the hand of God in real time. Much easier to see it in retrospect when you look back. We read scriptures, accounts of the heroes of the faith, and it seems like the hand of God is just moving all the time in powerful ways for them. But I bet you that they did not realize it in real time. Think about Daniel in the lion's den, you know. Daniel wasn't shouting, praising the hand of God in the lion's den. I mean, when he was in there for 10 minutes, you know, I'm sure he felt like any minute now, these lions are going to eat me up. They hadn't eaten me up yet, but any minute, they're going to eat me up. And, you know, so he, he's in there now eight hours, you know, and he's got to be thinking, if these lions weren't hungry eight hours ago, I'm sure they're hungry now, and any minute now, they're going to realize that dinner is like right here. It was only when he came out, and he looked back at the circumstance, he could say, man, the hand of God was with me. Or what about the three Hebrew boys, you know, walking around in the fire? I'm sure while they're freaked out walking around in the fire, they're not thinking, man, the hand of God is with us. They're thinking, why in the world aren't we burning up? You know, so when you get out of it, you look back at it and you say, oh my God, the hand of the Lord was with me. And as it was with them, so it is with you. It's possible that you've walked through some circumstances this year as dangerous as Daniel in a lion's den, as dangerous as three Hebrew boys in a fiery furnace, but you may not be far enough away from it yet to realize all year long the hand of the Lord has been moving and operating in your life in beautiful ways, but you may not have noticed it until you looked back in retrospect. We don't notice it because of the trouble itself, you know? When trouble comes, it's all-consuming. It takes your mind. And it's frustrating to be a Christian and have all the promises of God and then go through seasons of protracted trouble and pain. You know, there are times when you go through trouble and you're shocked by it because you've been faithful, you know? You're, You're a tither and you lost your job. Where is your hand? 
Or you've been faithful to come to church and yet your family's struggling. Maybe even falling apart. You know? Or you know, you've worked so hard. You've used biblical and scriptural principles to try to get elevated at the job. And it just seems like instead of getting taken up, you get taken down and you wonder, where is your hand? But you have to remember when you judge anything in isolation, you lose perspective of the whole. I'm going to say it again because I want you to think about it. When you judge anything in isolation, you lose perspective of the whole. Uh, Katie decided to start a new tradition this year and make a chocolate cake for Christmas dinner. And um, Lord have mercy. Um, but, but I was, you know, as I do every year, I, I, you know, blow into the kitchen like a wrecking ball. And uh, I like to stick my finger in everything while she's cooking. And I stuck my finger down into what I thought was the icing. And it was the batter, and I tasted and it, it. It didn't taste too good. It really didn't taste too good. Now, this cake had five or six elements. It didn't taste too good, and I didn't say nothing to her, but I walked away saying, I don't think I'm going to be having any chocolate cake this year. It didn't taste, uh, that didn't taste too good. But the problem was I was judging one element in isolation. And by the time that woman got finished taking all things and working them together, that thing came out good. It was phenomenal. And in the same way, when you judge your life in isolation, isolated issues, circumstances, situations, when you judge it in isolation, it may not look that good. But when you get back and you're able to look in retrospect at the whole, by the time God gets finished working all those individual things together, it's going to turn out good. I want to tell you something. You may not believe me right now. You're going to look back on this year in the future and you're going to say, that was a good year. I promise to God, you're going to look back at what happened in your business this year, and you're going to say about it in the future, that was a good year. You're going to make people's heads swim when you talk about this year in the future, because the further you get away from it, the more you'll be able to look back and see God took what the enemy meant for evil and destruction, and he took all the isolated particles of our pain. But by the time he got through mixing it all together, putting it in the furnace of affliction, that thing came out sweet. That thing came out beautiful. And so is your life. You may not feel like it today, but when you look back on this year, you will thank God for 2020. You will thank God for what you went through this year. You will thank God for how it all happened and how it all worked together for your good. Verse two says, when she saw how beautiful her child was that she hid him. Uh, the impetus for making her want to hide him was the glory and the radiance of how beautiful of a child he was. Now, those of you that know your Bible know that at this time, the Pharaoh had made a decree. The Pharaoh was the king. He was nervous about the Hebrews gaining in numbers. So he said, all of the males that are born, you have to throw them into the Nile River, basically kill them. It was, it was mass, mass murder. And there's, there's a clue in the text that she thought for a minute about obeying the government. You know, because the government can be persuasive when they tell you what you have to do. And even some fake religious people that hadn't read their Bible all the way through can pick out a few scriptures and tell you, you ought to obey the government when they tell you what you have to do. Sit down on me. I ain't scared of you. So she thought about high, or she thought about killing him. Everybody else is doing it, you know. Everybody else is throwing their babies to the crocodiles. She thought about it, but the scripture says when she noticed how beautiful he was, she said something this beautiful shouldn't be sacrificed at the altar of the government's instruction. 
Ah, I'm preaching better than you're shouting, but it's okay. She said something this sacred, something this holy, something this precious, something this beautiful should not be sacrificed at the altar of the government's commandment. So, so she decided to hide. You know, like we did all those Wednesday nights when we were supposed to be shut down. She saw how beautiful he was. She hit him. Point number one, the hand of God that hides. The hand of God that hides. I want you to think about the dichotomy of this. Moses was gifted, beautiful, special, and therefore hidden. Normally, you have a beautiful, gorgeous child. You're showing them off. You're bouncing them on the knees, singing bedtime songs and nursery rhymes and everything you can to. Not Moses. He didn't get no songs. He didn't get no smiles, no baby rattle, no toys. Moses got stuffed in a hole. Not because he was so bad, because he was so good. Have you ever felt hidden? And you know there's nothing wrong with you. You, you know you're not just you know, a piece of trash. You, you, you know you got something good to offer. And yet in spite of how good you are, hidden. If you judge the issue of Moses being hidden in isolation, it would seem like abuse and neglect. Who puts a good baby, any baby for that matter, in a hole. He was hidden. And to those of you who have felt hidden, to those of you who have felt unappreciated, undervalued, and overlooked, and your environment doesn't match the level of your gifting. You know, you're a great man. You're a great woman. You would make a great spouse for somebody. And everybody else is getting married. People that had no business getting married are getting married. And there you are, hidden. I mean, you're working your coworkers up under the chair at work. And then the lazy chicken head gets a promotion. And you get hidden. But it was the hand of God that was hiding him. And in isolation, it may seem cruel. But in retrospect, you realize the hiding had the purpose of protection. At times, the purpose of God will hide you when you're surrounded by threats you're unaware of. I'm going to say it again. The purpose of God will hide you when you're surrounded by threats you're unaware of. Moses didn't feel the love because he was unaware as a baby, he's unaware. All he knows is he's not getting held. He's not getting sang to. He's not getting any outward signs of love and affection. But what he didn't realize is right outside the hut, there were people that wanted to kill him and destroy him. So in that instance, love was being manifested by them hiding him. And I want to tell you, one of the most beautiful manifestations of God's love in your life is the times that he hid you. And when you understand this, you'll learn, when you look back in retrospect, you'll learn to thank God for prayers he didn't answer. You'll learn to thank God for doors he didn't open for you. You'll learn to thank God for people who walked away and left you when you needed them the most because when you get a little bit ways down the road and you look back you'll realize God was hiding you and protecting you from the predators with his hand I know it's painful right now to those of you who are stuffed in the hole of hiding but God wouldn't hide you if you weren't valuable. And if there wasn't a purpose and a destiny so great over your life that he couldn't afford to let the predators kill you before you manifest what he put down deep on the inside of you. The hand of God hides. 
Then verse 3 says, when she could no longer hide him, she started fixing up an arch, or an ark rather, and pitching it with tar and, and making it, you know, able to be waterproof. And I love that little part. It says, when she could no longer hide him, because it encourages me that the hiding season is temporary. When God has put greatness down inside you, it can only be hidden for so long. I'm going to say that again. When God puts something special down inside you, it can only be hidden for so long. No matter how they try to hide it, no matter what's thrown on top of you, when God's put something special in you, you can only hide it for so long. Pastor John told you earlier today, your gift will make room for you. At some point, that thing will make room for you and bring you before great men. So when she could no longer hide him, she made um, an ark, a little baby basket, and she pitched it with tar and, and made it waterproof. And then she went down and she placed it in the river. Okay. That's all she did. She just placed it in the river. Point number two, God's hand that places. You've been placed where you've been placed by the purpose of Almighty God. Did you hear me? You've been placed in the family you're placed in, with the spouse you've been placed with, in the city you're placed in, in the business you're placed in, in the community you're placed in, in the neighborhoods you're placed in. You've been placed where you're placed by the hand by the hand, you don't hear me, by the hand of God. If it wasn't for the hand, you'd have never been placed where you are right now. If it wasn't for the hand, many of you wouldn't even be here this morning. But the hand of God placed you, and you are where you are by the placement of God. Your life could have gone down a completely different direction. You could be laying in a, in a grave right now. You could be stuck in a life that was so miserable and so dark every single day. You could have a needle in your arm right now, but by the placement of the hand of God, you were placed where you are right now. Could be in a hospital sitting on a bedpan, dying of AIDS right now, but by the placement of God, you are where you are. You are where you are. That night, you could have been hurt severely in that accident, lost all the mobility of your body, and you could be com a complete vegetable this morning, but you are where you are by the placement. I don't think y'all hear what I'm saying. I don't know if you just hadn't thought about it or if it's not getting through to you. You are where you are by the placement. There's a whole lot of people in here that if they told you your story, you'd never believe what they've been through. They should not be sitting in the room right now, but you are where you are by the placement. The placement of God. She placed him in the river. Now, listen, the hand, the hand, let's fast forward in the story. We know eventually that Moses' destiny is to wind up in Pharaoh's palace. The same Pharaoh that wanted all the Hebrew babies killed, we know it's Moses' destiny to wind up being raised in that palace. Well, how does he get there? The hand of God does not take him from the hut in the slave camp. And place him in the palace. No. The hand of God places him in a flow. In a current. In a stream. In a river. That was moving towards his destiny. I know a lot of you come to church on this Sunday. To find out what the word is for the coming year. This is all I've got to give to you. In 2021. God's going to place you in the flow that leads you into your destiny. His hand is going to just place you in a flow, not in the thing, in a flow that leads to the thing that will be your destiny. God's hand places him in the current and in the flow of the river, and the flow does the rest. What's amazing to me is verse 5 says that, just as he was put down in the water, the daughter of Pharaoh, 
the one that told everybody you have to kill your babies. You can't let none of these babies live. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river. Now, the Bible historians record that this girl had tried to have babies and wasn't able to. The, the children that she had were from her maidservants, okay? She didn't give birth herself, or at least at this time she hadn't. And so uh, you, got, you got a baby in, in an ark that desperately, desperately needs to live because he's eventually going to grow up and free his people, you know? Yeah. He's got to live, you know? He has a need to live, and then you've got a woman who has a need to have a baby. God created both needs. And then the hand of God placed Moses in the river over here at the same time as Pharaoh's daughter said, I feel a little dirty. I need to go take a bath and was getting in the river over here. The hand of God will line up the timing in your life and make sure you don't miss your moments. If you get your moment, it's not going to be because you were so smart and you put all that hard work in school and you did the right thing. If you get your moment, it's going to be because the hand of God made sure you were in the right place at the right time with the right need and the right supply. And so Moses is floating over here toward a woman who's bathing that's desperate to have a baby over here. And I want you to think about it. Yeah. Pharaoh made this bold decree. You got to kill all the babies. Okay. But God gave Moses favor with the one person in the kingdom that could make Pharaoh change his mind. Daddy, can we keep him? Twenty twenty one, God is going to give you favor with insiders, favor with people who can make the change, favor with people who can make the promotion happen, favor with people who can make one phone call and clear the way for wherever it is God has destined you to go. I don't know who that word is for, but the favor of the Lord comes down on you like a hand today. You leave with it today. You get in your vehicle with it today. It is a favor that will be undeniable, and God is going to give you favor with the right people in the right places at the right time. If you're waiting for the word for 2021, that is it. It will be a year marked of the divine favor of the Lord's hand over your life with the right people, with the right places, and with the right time. Give him praise if you receive it. Now listen. The Lord told me to tell you not to get a little bit into the new year and question his word because of your surroundings. Okay. Moses was undoubtedly right smack dab in the middle of the favor of God when he was floating towards that queen who was about to save his life and raise him all the way up. All right. But at the same time, as, as he's floating to her in the current of destiny, He's got danger all around him. Snakes and crocodiles are swimming right next to the ark that's carrying him. Because the current that leads to destiny is wrought with danger. Destiny and danger will always be flowing together. Side by side. I'm going to say that again. Destiny and danger always flow together side by side. So it depends on your perspective. If you have a destiny perspective, you can say, I'm still here. Hadn't bit me yet. I'm flowing towards something. And I trust God that it's going to be a good thing. Or 
you can freak out in fear like a whole lot of people did last year, and you can get your eyes off of destiny and peer over the side of the little ark and say, look at the crocodiles and look at the snakes. They're going to kill us. They're going to destroy us. We need to pause this whole thing. No, no. Destiny and danger flow together. So he told me to tell you when you see the danger, don't cancel the destiny. Don't turn the ark around and get over on the side and press pause until all the snakes and crocodiles die. There's always going to be something out there that can kill you. If they manage to vaccinate every single person in the United States, after, the day after COVID is completely gone, there's still going to be 10 billion things that can kill you. You cannot put your life on hold because of fear. Destiny and danger go together. You got to learn how to ride in the ark and trust God that the hands that placed you will be the hands that preserve you. That's the next thing I want to tell you. He's going to preserve you this year in spite of the threat. In 2021, he's going to preserve you this year in spite of the threat. I'm going to say it again. He's going to preserve you this year in spite of the threat. And then point number three, Pharaoh's daughter comes out and she sees him. And for the first time in months, listen, for the first time in months, the right person notices his beautiful gift. Oh, see, see, beauty doesn't matter if the wrong people behold it. I guess you're tired. You don't know how good I'm preaching. Oh, Jesus. I said, beauty doesn't matter if the wrong one is beholding it. So God ordered his steps, you know, well, you know, those of you desperate to get married, marriage doesn't matter unless it's the right one beholding it. A new job doesn't matter unless it's the right one beholding it, you know? Higher levels and higher responsibility doesn't matter unless it's the right one beholding it, you know? So more than you should chase a status, any status, you know? More than you should chase that, you should chase the favor of God which causes correct alignment for the assignment that you have, you know, and for the first time, you know, Moses, I'm sure, I'm sure deep in his psyche, they say, you know, psychologists say, you know, that they're, they're counseling people and, and they're, they're talking about issues and they unravel and go real deep in their psyche all the way down to issues that happened before they could even talk when they were real, real little babies, something they saw that they didn't know they saw, but they made an impression on their subconscious. If that's true, I'm sure Moses had a lot of issues. Because Katie said that's why he stuttered. Maybe it is. You know, maybe it is. Maybe he had that speech impediment because of the trauma he went through early in his life. I don't know. But his early life was horrible. You know, thrown in a hole. Every time he made a sound, they would go crazy and tell him to shut up, lay on top of him, try to muffle and silence his cries. Moses must have felt like he was completely worthless. And then abandoned, put in a, you know, in, a, in an ark and shipped away. He must have felt abandoned that nobody in the world thought he had any value until the right person in the right place opened the basket. And I want to tell those of you that have been questioning your value, God is going to assign you to the right environments, the right people, the right places at the right time. You're going to have to use humility in 2021 to keep from getting a big head because those of you who have been underappreciated for so long, this coming year is going to be the year where the beautiful gifts God gave you are finally recognized. You better hear this preacher. This year is going to be the year where the beautiful gifts God gave you are finally 
Oh, he's beautiful. Somebody say, say, oh, he's beautiful. If you're a he, tap yourself. If you're a she, tap yourself and say, oh, they're beautiful. They're beautiful. They're beautiful. I think I want to take you home. Put that wherever it needs to be. Number three, the hands that raised. Last thing, 2021, you will be raised up to a level you're not currently living. 2021, you will be raised up to a level you're not currently living on. You mark this down as a prophecy. You mark this down as a word. In 2021, you will be raised up to a level you're not currently living on. Now, we've talked a lot about hands in the story. You got Jacobed's hands. You, you got Miriam, his sister's hands. You, you got Pharaoh's daughter's hands. But really, it was God's hand in their hands. It was God's hand moving their hands. And when you look back at the life of Moses, you find out God had his hand on Moses all of his life. I was reading where Moses asked to see God's face. God said, I can't let you see my face. No human being can see my face and live to tell about it. And Moses said, I got, you got to let me see something. So God said, um, okay, hide in the cleft of this rock. Moses asked God for his hand. God put his hand over Moses, then walked by him and let Moses see his back. Retrospect. That's when Moses wrote Genesis. The Pentateuch written by Moses thousands of years after all the events took place. How did Moses see it? How did he write it? He saw it when he saw God's retrospect. He saw it when he saw God's back, what was behind God. He saw it when he saw God in retrospect. Pharaoh's daughter, she raises him up. Her hands, but, but God's. And, and then she says, uh, I need somebody. I don't have any milk to feed this baby. I need, I need somebody. And, and little deceptive Miriam, she popped up from behind the bushes. Hey, uh, Queenie. You want me to uh, run find one of the random Hebrew ladies that could nurse that baby for you? Sure. Miriam runs, grabs Moses' mama. <laughs> I found somebody. And, and Pharaoh's daughter says, if you'll nurse this baby for me for years, if you'll nurse this baby for me, I'll pay you to do it. Okay. So Moses' mama got paid to do what she would have done. For free. She got paid to give what God gave her body. She got paid for something she didn't produce by will. She produced by gift. God gifted the female to feed the child. Ladies, when you have a baby, you're not thinking, trying to make the milk come. It just comes. God in 2021 is going to pay you for the gift he gave you. I'm talking about payment for what you didn't work for. Did you hear what I said? Payment for what you did not labor to produce. 
payment is going to come for your gift. Every gifted person in this room, raise your hands. Payment is coming for your gift. You don't hear me and you ain't excited about it, but you will be when it hits your life. You make sure you testify and let me know because payment is going to hit your gift. God's going to make the enemy pay you and not even know what he's paying for. God's going to make the, oh God have mercy, I feel that. You ought to have the organ cranking on that. No, it's okay. God's going to make the enemy pay you and not even know what he's paying you for. Don't you know Pharaoh would have had that whole family killed if he knew that he was paying? <laughs> For Moses' mama to feed him? When he had made the decree that the baby ought to die? God will bless you right up under the enemy's nose. And make the enemy. Listen to me. You, you, you have to understand. Pharaoh's daughter ain't got no money. No, you're not with me. You checked out of the story already. It shouldn't even waste it on you. Pharaoh's daughter ain't got no money. When she said, I'll pay you, you know what's happening here. Pharaoh's money has got to pay that woman for years to feed her own baby. The wealth of the wicked. I wish I had a church. The wealth of the wicked has been laid up, stored up, and in 2021, God releases it to the righteous in profound ways, in confounding ways, and blesses you right up under the enemy's nose. Stand to your feet and give God praise if you receive the word today. I hope I really do. I hope at some point before, thank you. I hope at some point before New Year's, I hope you find some time to look back. I think you will see the most dazzling display of the hand of God over your life if you'll just look back. What you missed in real time while you were worried or while you were crying or while you were weeping, what you missed in real time, I bet you you'll see and when you do, I bet you you'll say out of your mouth, it was the hand. It was the hand. It was, when you add it all up, it was the hand. It was the hand. It wasn't my strength. It wasn't my talent. It wasn't my ability. It, it was the hand. The hand that got us through. 2021, the hand comes on you to bless you. The hand comes on you to help you recover. The hand comes on you to strengthen you and raise you up to a level you have not previously been on. The hand comes on you. In 2021, the hand of God will fill your testimonies. You will testify and speak of the power of the hand. The hand that heals. The hand that preserves. The hand that protects. The hand that blesses. The hand that strengthens. The hand that promotes. The hand. The hand. The hand. The hand. The hand of God. You ought to give him worship right where you're standing. However you do it, clap your hands, lift your hands, raise your voice, do something, do something. His hands!
God's worthy of it. What did he get you through? What did he keep you through? to live through it and not recognize in the moment that it was his hand. I mean, there were blessings that hit you last year or this year that we're ending that you didn't even know were blessings in the moment. There were blessings that hit you in 2020 that you weren't sure whether they were a blessing or a curse. See, when God really works a miracle for you, sometimes you just have to stumble and stagger with it for a while before you realize, but, but, the travesty is, look, 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 I don't deny that it's hard to see God's activity sometimes in real time, right? So you may not offer him the praise and the worship and the thanks that he's worthy of in the moment. But the travesty is when you get far away enough from it to realize what it was. If you don't stop then and give it praise. If you don't stop then and build an altar of thanksgiving and worship if you don't stop then and really recognize what it was and value it when you see it in retrospect. So I pray for you today that the gift of contemplation comes over you. I pray an anointing to remember. That's why so many of us struggle to give God praise. Our, our memories hurt. An anointing to remember. As you look back, all of the moments on the timeline of the past that his hand came down in a strong and mighty way and did amazing things. I pray you leave here today with it. I pray you think about it all week. I pray as you cross over on New Year's, I pray you're thinking about all of the things that the hand did. And one of the ways you can honor God, one of the ways you can bless him and praise him is, is you can make sure you come Wednesday night to our last service of the year. We're not having New Year's Eve service on Thursday. We're going to have it on, on Wednesday night. I encourage you to make sure you're here for that and make sure you close out 2020 in the presence of God, praising him for what the hand did. What the hand did. What the hand did. I'm going to give you a few days to think about it. When you come in here Wednesday, you ought to come in here with a shout. When you come in here Wednesday, you better not come tired. You better come in here with a shout. The hand's done great things, has it not? Has it not?
May the Lord your God bless you. May the Lord your God keep you. May he lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. May you be strengthened and anointed to contemplate and reflect on all that the hand of God has done for you this year. In Jesus' name. God bless you. We love you. If you have something you'd like to give, an offering you'd like to give, a seed you'd like to sow, or if you missed the tithe portion of the service, you're welcome to come and bring that now. We love you so much. Do not miss Wednesday night. We'll be praying for you. You're dismissed.